And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, yours. Last week, right here on Time Czars, we talked about a bunch of new members of the Kansas City Chiefs, which was pretty much as expected. I mean, the draft itself had its twists and turns and surprises, and we can still have some more conversations about this rookie draft class that just completed its rookie mini camp. But one thing that, I'll let all three of us speak for ourselves here, but one thing that I don't think any of us expected between the last episode of this show and today's episode of Time's Ours, right here on The Athletic, is that the Chiefs would have a new left tackle? Asterisk? Question mark? Exclamation point? All the punctuation necessary for this edition of Time's Ours. Joshua Briscoe uh, and uh, Nate Taylor and Seth Kaiser all together here with you today. That I Last time we thought we'd talk more about the day three draft prospects, and, and we will because Nate was out there for the mini camps. But guys, am I, uh, am I speaking out of turn when I say that we all thought the, uh, the Donovan Smith ship had sailed this offseason? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, it's funny how life works, Josh. You know, the, the within within hours of reporting the news back in early March that the Chiefs weren't going to franchise tag Orlando Brown, you know, I was pretty clear in saying, wow, unless something wildly changes, like they're going to need a new left tackle. And at the time, I looked through every available option to them who actually played the position, who had LT next to their name. Um, and I wrote down Donovan Smith as like the best option. And I knew the Chiefs would be interested in him when it became obvious that the Buccaneers were going to have to release him for salary cap reasons. Um, I don't really think the Buccaneers wanted to release him. It was just like, we have to do something because we... We need to rebuild. Um, and yeah, for whatever reason, um, you know, I, I think most of it was, you know, injury related. Obviously, you want to see how the draft plays out. Um, so, yeah, I thought I was like dead wrong when the Chiefs signed Jawan Taylor to left tackle money um, saying, why did I write an entire article saying here are the top options? And they chose none of them. Um to only have that actually happen just two months later. I, so I was right and wrong. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, I I think that an air of confusion around all of this is exactly what is demanded of this particular circumstance. Uh, Seth, what did you think? I think that it's been a fascinating journey watching people decide that the Chiefs are worse off with a veteran offensive lineman than a complete unknown at one of the tackle positions. I think this has been a really good exercise in how much we value the unknown and the idealized over the known whatever you want to call Donovan Smith. Now, some people would say he's known to be terrible. And I would say, well... You don't get a lot of terrible players that end up with a lucrative contract after their rookie deal and then even a re-up a little bit later, which is what's happened with him. And then obviously now the Bucs have parted ways with him. So it's been, I don't know, like it was surprising to me and it was kind of like I knew they were lying all along with this (laughs) Juwan Taylor stuff, you know. Um, But no, the whole thing has just been... Yeah, I don't know. It's just such a weird... It was so unexpected. And I was just like, really? Huh. Donovan Smith. 
And like, I could not have possibly been more neutral on, on a signing than that. Like, I was like, that's interesting, I guess. It just, I think because people had really become convinced about the plan that they had idealized. And because we are in the um, the honeymoon stage of draft picks with Wanya Morris, I think people were convinced that Morris was going to pull a Trey Smith, except at right tackle, you know, start year one, all that fun stuff. And so now what they feel this is like, it's like a betrayal of that idealized version, if that makes sense. Yeah. And every now and then, I, I just feel like we get reminded of how much more people like idealized stuff than a little more known qual- quality. Not that I mean saying it's a good move. I'm not even bad. It was just interesting to me watching Chiefs Twitter just fall apart. Yeah. It, and I think that for me, analysis is pending. I promise we will all share actual opinions at some point before this episode's over. But but opinion agnostic at the time, I thought this was was a joy of an early May move for a team to make. Because without it being a judgment one way or the other, this is the first move the Chiefs had made in a really long time that we just genuinely did not know the plan for. I mean, there there are degrees to that all the time, right? We all debate, you know, well, how much is George Karloftis going to play? Now, how much is Felix and Udika Uzama going to play? But but in terms of, well, hey, where is this guy going to play? Like, what <laughs> what do the Chiefs think about their biggest splash free agent of this last free agent draft class? It, it, it made us ask a lot of questions that we hadn't been asking. And I think you can have that feel like a negative thing if you think the Chiefs are just as surprised to be asking those questions as we are. That, to me, seems relatively unlikely. So with, with that being said, the initial reporting on the deal... Was one year up to nine million dollars, uh, and then I believe it was Nate Taylor of theAthletic.com who uh, first wrote that it, it's like four million in base salary. Nate, correct me if I've got if I've missed anything, but I don't think we have anything else in terms of like further incentives or anything like that, right? Yeah, the the only thing I could really pin down, and this was Thursday night, um, you know, waiting on some phone calls to come back. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a you know one year. F- Four million dollar deal with the what appears to be likely possibility that Donovan Smith can earn up to nine million. Um, now, the most recent example of this is the Juju Smith Schuster contract, where um, I guess I could look here, but but Juju had like a pretty similar base salary, but he actually earned you know less than what he just got on a yearly average with the Patriots. So that was always sort of the baseline for what he wanted in free agency, which we talked about obviously at the combine where, you know, I was hearing, you know, uh, rumblings that he wanted 14 million a year. Um, what did he get it? What did he end up getting like 11, 11 million a year? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, I know his incentives, even on that second deal ended up being a little different than it first looked like. I think. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, um, It is a unusual path to what they what the Chiefs feel like is a solution. So I'll start there. Um, as I wrote in the story Thursday night, the thing that matters most is that Patrick Mahomes appreciates the ingenuity of Brett Veach to say, "Hey, uh, we told everybody we think Jawan Taylor's athletic enough." to switch to left tackle didn't mean we actually said that was going to happen we just thought he was athletic enough to do it uh in case we did not have a left tackle um you know a natural someone who's played the position much like Seth said uh previously now that Donovan Smith has arrived well, the ingenuity is they're paying a right tackle, left tackle money, and a left tackle, right tackle money. That's the conclusion that they've arrived at. And it was a little shocking today to hear Andy Reid acknowledge that, yes, Donovan Smith is expected to be the left tackle. Jawan is going to stay at right tackle, the position he's played throughout his career so far. Um, you know, first four years with Jacksonville and now obviously with the Chiefs. Um, everybody knows the middle of Tooney, Humphrey, Smith, but 
I thought Andy Reid today was going to push it off until, well, you know, we got to we got to bring the guys in and, we, you know, we're I just this is absolutely what was going to happen today. I had no yeah. hope of him giving a straight answer. You know, you know, you know, we're working on that. You know, you know, you know, Andy Heck, by the way, every time they mention Andy Heck, whether it's Veach or Andy Reid, uh, by the way, Andy Heck is the offensive line coach. They're like, well, you know, he just shuffles guys in and out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he moves guys around. Uh, you know, you got, you've been out there. <laughs> I love the part where Andy usually goes, well, Nate, you've been out there. Hell, we put we put Creed Humphrey at right tackle. You remember that? I'm like, no, I'm like no, coach, that never happened. No, 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 Andy Heck, Andy Heck, he moves, he switches guys around, you know, shuffling, moving things up, you know. Uh, yeah, you know, Andy Heck. It's like, what is he doing? So I was, I was surprised. I think a lot of us in the in the facility today were surprised that Andy Reid was like, no, it's it's settled. What? We you guys even had an OTA practice. No, it's settled. He's the left tackle. Yeah, I was floored by that. Um, and I will I will nitpick ever so slightly. I'm probably reading too much into it, but Andy Reid didn't say they'd keep Juwan Taylor on the right side. They said they'd he said they'd move him over to the right side. Which is very small. It is about a specific word choice. But if they had kind of mentally had him on the left side, it would make sense to move him back to the right with Smith now being on the left. I'm probably reading too much into it, but I noticed it listening to it when we were playing it back on the show today. Um, and, and with that in mind, it is fascinating because I think to that idea that Seth was saying of, you know, not not only thinking, oh, yeah, we feel we're, we're going to really buy into what Juwan Taylor could look like as the left tackle. Most of those conversations did end up being about like, well, you know, as as long as he can make that that transition over there, athletic enough and all of that, he could be a top 10 sort of left tackle. When I think if he just stays on the right side, the expectation is that he will be a top five right tackle. And that sort of left tackle, right tackle distinction in terms of money does mm-hmm. not matter to me. My my true north here would be to find your five best guys or their five best positions. Um, but Seth, you did the Lord's work of hopping straight into a Donovan Smith film review that is on the Chief of the North newsletter, mnchiefsfan.substack.com. Much to my chagrin, unlocked for everybody. So if you're not not reading the newsletter, (laughs) you can go read it for free and then Um, decide if uh, Seth's work something you'd like more of. But By the way, really quick, SpotTrack says that Juju Smith-Schuster on a one-year $3 million deal earned $9.2 million based on $5.5 incentives. So again, very comparable contract where it's like hey donovan one year nine million if you're a starter and and you play for the course of the season which leads seth kaiser to believe he will play all 17 games right 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 seth right he'll want to he's gonna earn all that nine million right you know i i mean i just don't know i i Here's the thing. Perfect. So you're talking perfect. Like, well, in the show. In the show. The, perfect. This is the base like four and a half mil, something like that. It's around. I was told it was around four million. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I, I'm waiting for over the cap or spot track to update this thing. But, you know, contracts. What's interesting with Donovan Smith's film. So what I did is everyone told me, oh, you got to go watch 2021 film. Because 2022 film, he had like a dislocated or hyperextended elbow early on. Yes. Or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he played hurt. And the Chiefs and their social media team, shout out to Matt, who's a great dude. They made sure to point out <laughs> that he played hurt last year. <laughs> <laughs> and Matt, you know, usually, you know, people yell at like, you know, the social media side of things. And you always want to tell them like, guys, that is not the same side as the football ops. You're just yelling at good people for no reason right now. It kind of felt like he was supposed to say that. You know what I mean? Like, hey, 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 Matt, could you? Uh, and, and I'm picking on Matt right now, by the way, who runs a lot. Hey, of tell him they was tell him he was hurt, dog. Tell him he was hurt. Yeah, tell tell him he was hurt. And Matt just <laughs> is so good at his job. He, 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 you know, he he had to replace the legendary BJ Kissel, and he's done a wonderful job with it. So I'm gonna pick on Matt a little bit. Um, but you you just didn't it feel like that though like like just right as he's about to fire off some of them tweets you almost like feel like that text from Brett like you know he was hurt last year right like, 
you know, and that elbow was really bothering him. It's probably I wasn't doing so great. It's like just the like, first thing Andy Reid said today, too, to be fair. Yeah. Like, this is no, this, this is, is a like, full message. It's like you can feel it's like that that stupid scene from The Office where Michael Scott, you know, they're all trying to talk about, you know, going to see Meredith at the hospital and Michael Scott's in there like, like a freedom tree. Like a, it's a, it's a little something in the, just a hurt elbow. So probably going to be okay. You know, and like you can just feel that energy. Here's the deal. I honestly didn't see that big a difference between his 2021 film and his 2022 film. I will say that the, I'm sure the elbow bothered him, but that's only because he is one of the most upper body dependent <laughs> tackles I've ever watched. Hmm. It's like his feet, they are inconsistent, shall we say. One never knows what what Donovan Smith's feet might do prior to a play. Um, And that's less than ideal for a starting tackle. Now, so I mean, I only looked at two games, 21, two games, 22. And so you have to understand, you know, you're talking including playoffs, like, you know, 34, 36 game sample size. So this isn't dispositive stuff. He didn't lose at a higher rate than Orlando Brown in pass protection, which some people are like, oh, Orlando Brown stunk. No, he didn't. So I take that as like, oh, well, maybe maybe they can remain relatively even in pass protection. I don't know. He's not as good a run blocker. Um, it, it was just an interesting watch to see a guy who so clearly has certain high-level traits, that being tremendous length with, with his arms. He just tremendous length, really powerful upper body, great punch. When he gets his hands on guys first, he he can do a lot of things with it. He's, he's one of those rare tackles that can actually kind of freeze guys once he gets a hold of them and basically hold them in place with power. Um, it's just his feet. He he just ends up off balance. He gets he, he just gets off balance a lot, guys. And that results in some of the ugliest losses you will see. Like in terms of like just getting plowed over or thrown to the side. And those are not fun to watch. And so part of me, I, I think, I think kind of the reputation he's gotten, at least in, because if you go back to this time last year, had the Chiefs somehow signed Donovan Smith for a one-year deal and let Orlando Brown Jr. walk, the consensus opinion would probably be, how did the Chiefs manage this? You know, how did they how did they manage to, you know, pull one over on the whole league? And that's the difference that a year can make. But I honestly don't think that his film is all that different year to year. I think he's a guy with a couple of dominant traits that he relies on too much. And this far in his career, I mean, Andy Heck's a great offensive line coach, but I would be surprised to see a change. So I don't know. I went all over the place there with that analysis, much like Donovan Smith's feet. Wow. During a pass protection snap. I think there's, yeah. No, I I think there's a ton to unpack in that, though. And the one thing that you said that I have found myself screaming in various different voids is this idea. Because I think we're talking about Dwan Jones at one point and him getting compared to Orlando Brown. Like, hey, you know, you know what Orlando Brown would have been great with a rookie contract from the second day somewhere or on a one year deal for worth between four and nine million dollars. The Chiefs are willing to give Orlando Brown a lot of money and a lot of guaranteed money. The the disconnect came somewhere in the, the upper portion of that negotiation. Like the chiefs didn't just pull any offer and say, we don't want you back on one year, 4 million. Um, and the deal that he got from Cincy would show that there was, you know, maybe not all that money out there, but more than Donovan Smith just got right. Like there's a reason for that. Right. So I just don't want people to hear Orlando Brown as only the beginning of, of them, being frustrated for 17 games. So can you kind of connect the dots of of Smith, Brown, and then even kind of, you, you mentioned Juwan Taylor at least once or twice in the newsletter in terms of the, the different ways that, that he and Smith and Brown win and lose both. Sure. So what I would say, like, um, in terms of loss percentage as a pass blocker, now, and again, four-game sample size, it's not this positive, um, I didn't see a difference really between 
Brown, and Donovan Smith. And one could take that as good news because let's say in terms of pure pass protection, they stay relatively equivalent at left tackle and massively upgrade at right tackle. Yeah. Hey, that's awesome. And that's where I think people are are perhaps underselling the potential of that. I, I don't quote PFF's numbers as dispositive, although I think the more specific you get with their numbers, the better off you are. Right. As opposed to like just one overarching grade. I know. So like so their numbers like pass blocking efficiency. I trust more than just the overall grade because I think it's more of a specific thing. It's one thing. And so their their numbers actually with Smith are pretty similar to Brown as well. Um, and that includes times when he was blocking for like Jameis Winston. And so I, I think there's a possibility that he might be about similar in pass protection and Brown last year was okay in pass protection, just not great. And then, you know, Wiley kind of had his ups and downs. One thing that he has in common with Brown additionally is that when he loses, he loses quick and he loses ugly, which, you know, cheese fans didn't enjoy watching last last year. They're not going to enjoy watching that this year. Um, Especially against um, guys with good power and technique he will get himself a little bit off balance. And that's where it seems to lead. He's, he's a big tackle. But he, when it, because his feet are so far all over the place, he ends up off balance and he's either lunging or he doesn't have them properly underneath him. And, and a dude like Joey Bosa is going to send him sprawling and, and Mahomes is going to get sacked. Or, you know, you know, do a backflip over Bosa and throw for a touchdown. One of the two. That, that quick loss thing is something he and Brown have common. They both are upper body dependent guys, except Brown, like Smith actually, in my opinion, shows a little more noticeable power in his punch as opposed to where Brown is more, he's got more power in, I guess you'd call it controlling guys and directing them wide. Whereas where Smith is often looking to engage first, but Brown has power in his lower body as well. So despite being really tall, he's not often out leveraged and pushed backwards where Smith can be. Um, the, the thing that I don't like about Smith, and, and I kind of alluded to this already, is that when he loses, he doesn't die a slow death. Like when, when I reviewed Jawan Taylor's snaps at right tackle and I talked about, I kind of raved about his pass protection, even when he lost, oftentimes it was a slow death. So that gives your quarterback two or three seconds to kind of do something about it. I don't see that with Smith. Um, but again, I didn't see the losses nearly as frequently as I expected in terms of how people were describing him in the um, angst-ridden aftermath of the trade. Nate, what else would you add to that, either stylistically or if there's anything else about how it came together that kind of gives us a, a clearer picture? Yeah, so um, I reported this in the story, but um, it's pretty clear that the Chiefs felt getting another tackle, um, whether it's through a trade-up or that player sort of falling to them or getting a pass rusher of their choice was what they wanted in the first round of the draft. Um, It it really wasn't receiver. Um, As soon as the draft ended, um, my understanding is, is that the Chiefs were Donovan Smith's first sort of pick. Um, because there is a chance for him to be the starting left tackle for the for the team. And I think Andy Reid, Brett Veach, Patrick Mahomes, I think they all understand um, depth at that position, especially losing your two starting tackles from the previous season, um, is a wise move and one that you should be willing to explore. Um, here's where it gets really fascinating, because I understand that they made this decision pretty quickly after the draft, which says, hey, we don't need to rush uh, Wanye Morris. Um, Lucas Yank doesn't necessarily have to rush either uh, because, of course, you know, the further you get away from his knee injury, the the hope is that he will return to the, to the form that he had previous to the injury. One person that I talked to said, he is the left tackle. And I said, who do you mean? And they said, Donovan Smith will be the left tackle. Mm. 
And then I talked to another person. And that person said he could be the starter, but he has to earn it. And then another person told (laughs) me they should really have a competition. Mm. And so the, you know, this is like inside journalism to some degree or inside reporting. But those are three very different thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. And so as I'm trying to write this Thursday night, um, you are taught to be responsible. And I hope people feel like my reporting is responsible. But I can't definitively say he's going to be the left tackle. But I also can't definitively say that he's in a true competition or that, or excuse me, that he's going to, um, you know, back up Taylor because Taylor's making more money. So, in essence, it was fascinating to think that Donovan believes, truly believes, Donovan Smith believes, I protect quarterbacks. I protect their blindsides. I go, like, I want the challenge of protecting Tom Brady at the end to now protecting Mahomes in his prime. That's what I want. That opportunity is there. I'm going to do it. But they also told Jawan, look at the playbook a certain way. And so, in essence, in two weeks, when they have their first OTA practice, and we assume, even though these practices are voluntary, they are not mandatory. If a person doesn't show up to the OTA practice, don't freak out. Like, I'm not sure Clyde's going to be there, in essence, you know, for 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 an example. I don't know if Clyde Rosalaire is going to be at Chiefs OTA practice on whatever, May 24th, 25th. But if you assume, because there are new players in a new system, again, protecting the greatest asset in franchise history, if <laughs> we assume that Smith and Taylor will be at the OTA practice, um, they told Jawan something and he wanted the opportunity. And I went back and I listened to all the sound, all the comments. They never fully guaranteed him that, but it was such a contractual hedge of saying, well, if he does play left tackle, he is making left tackle money. But we can't fully guarantee that he's going to do that because um, from a team standpoint, we love your versatility and your flexibility. And we know what you can do a right tackle. And so if you are a right tackle, that it's a luxury for us. And we've paid you um, handsomely at a position uh, that obviously has a lot of say as to whether or not, you know, Patrick can can be most effective. So you're going to learn over the next couple months uh, how professional Jawan Taylor is. And does he really mean when he says, like, I want to just help the team win. I'm happy to be here. Like, this is an opportunity that excites me. Um, because they're, they're, I know for a fact, and I think, like, shout out to Ken Swanson. I think I saw on Twitter, like, Kent was like, has he been doing left tackle? Yes. Yes, he's been doing left tackle drills. But if Donovan Smith's a left tackle, then we just, it's just a nice thing to have in your back pocket. Um, But hopefully that gives more context to everything. Um, Because in Andy Reid's mind, I think Donovan Smith, if healthy, um, he has proven himself. And they think that, this is something I didn't quite circle back to because, again, it's kind of in the past, but. Um, again, the one person was like, he is the starter. He is their best option. He is better than Orlando Brown. And I said, okay, I guess we'll find out. But Chiefs fans, including my own father was like, don't re-sign Orlando Brown. Sometimes this is the outcome. Because I can't tell you for sure if it's a clear upgrade. But, you know, one person that I talked to said it's a definitive upgrade. If he stays healthy, he is a better player than Orlando Brown. He has shown that. 
he will continue to show that. And then I told that person, well, Donovan Smith has never been a pro bowler. And like Orlando Brown has been a pro bowler basically his entire career. However you want to grade that system. Obviously we know that there's a fan peer element, coaches element to it, but like, okay. So it's a fascinating wrinkle. Um, As I wrote in the story, the fact that Donovan wanted to sign kind of altered their offseason plans from the get-go. And if they have, as Seth says, an upgrade at right tackle and a replacement to slight above upgrade at left tackle, then um, they spread, they, they spent the money in a way that was unconventional. Um, but one player is younger than the other two. I also should mention that, like, Jawan Taylor's 25 and Donovan Smith is 29, getting ready to be 30. Um, so similar to Juju Smith-Schuster, who I mentioned earlier, uh, he hopes to do the same thing. Hey, I play left tackle, do really well, help the team win a Super Bowl, earn $9 million over the course of the season, and then I become one of the top players at my position back on the market in free agency and, you know, kind of reset his value. So um, that's what I got. I don't know if there's anything else that I have to add yeah, or that I, I, that I can I, add. It, it was a lot. I know I just went through a ton of information, but that's, but that's like what I have to do as a reporter is like you, you, yeah. you go through all of this and you're like, okay, what, what can I give people that is both reasonable and sets up the rest of the offseason as we get towards training camp. Well, I I want to poke through two things on two questions. One of them, I just want to get your guys' names in the most just basic form here, which is if you had to decide right now who is starting at left and right tackle in week one, and then I'll ask my sort of rhetorical follow. Go ahead, Seth. I think it's going to be Donovan Smith starting at left tackle and Juwan Taylor Taylor. Goodness, starting at uh, right tackle. I mean, just they've literally like it's rare for Andy to be like, yeah, this is what we're doing. And it feels to me super rare. Yeah, it feels to me like he's trying to avoid a problem. And so part of me wonders what's I mean, did they when they signed him, they were really clear. Oh, we want him to be a you know, we want to be our left tackle, et cetera, et cetera. Did something change between, you know, the last two or three weeks where, you know, he was working out with whoever and was like, you know, guys, this doesn't feel quite right. Because that's the only explanation that makes sense to me. Like, otherwise, it's weird. Like, you don't need to sign him and say, oh, he's our left tackle. Because what a lot of people think, and I think there's probably some truth to this, is that they were probably going to take a tackle in the draft. Right. And then they didn't. And, you know, the, the, the board falls the way it falls. Not a lot you can do about it. You know what I mean? So, but to me, even then, like, I don't understand why all the hoopla about him potentially playing left tackle, like, unless they felt like the fans needed to hear that because they think the fans are dumber than we are. And we don't remember them being able to form their offense in part around their right tackle when Mitch Schwartz was here. Like, I I just, I I don't get it. And that, that's where to me, I don't care if Taylor is, is their best pass protector at right tackle. Like, that doesn't bother me. It's not, it's not 1995. You know what I mean? So I just, I just don't understand the messaging behind all of it. It feels like this is a plan B, C, or D, or something like that. Hmm. That's interesting. Nate, who do you think starts? <sighs> Until proven otherwise, I, I tend to agree with Seth that it, that it, if he stays healthy, it will probably be Donovan Smith. Um, the with obviously Juwan at, at, at right tackle. I think the you know the thing I said a few weeks ago, and I thought again was reasonable and responsible at the time is that the Chiefs deserved the benefit of the doubt because whether or not you loved the Orlando Brown experience, like they won the trade. <laughs> like, I don't know if we talk about that, but like they won the trade. They got Nick Bolton on a rookie contract who's playing well and Orlando Brown helped them win a Super Bowl. Uh, mm-hmm. 
I I wonder, similar to what Seth says, I wonder if Chiefs fans think about that enough. Like, if they really go through, like, the transactional nature of it. Like, they beat the Ravens in the trade. They weakened their rival and maintained their own status and went back to Super Bowl and won a Super Bowl. So... I get the sense from the team standpoint that one of the reasons that they convinced Juwan Taylor to join their roster was the chance to be a left tackle. Because as even though Seth's right, we not living in the 1990s or 80s anymore. Makes a difference in money. Yeah, left tackles still make more money. So when you get to a negotiation in free agency, as I've said before, you're almost always overbidding to win that player services, especially if they're playing a premium position on the first week of free agency. But the carrot for Juwan was I could play left tackle for Patrick Mahomes and I can sort of reestablish myself in the league. And before the first OTAs, that might not happen. That I'm sorry to jump back in, but that's another part of this that doesn't entirely make sense to me. Yeah, is there's there's a human element element to element, all of this, yes. mm-hmm. and and that's where I'm just that's why I don't understand why the messaging to start off. Um, I think even though, you know, I, I, I could believe that Taylor chose the Chiefs in part because a potential chance at left tackle. I do wonder whether he would have gotten that kind of contract anywhere else. Um, That's what I'm getting at, Seth. And, and, so, <laughs> and so I just don't I, I'm not sure. I just don't understand the human element to it. And so, yeah, maybe it's like, you know. Maybe right now he's not happy and they're also like, hey, what does that say right behind the dollar sign per year? 20 million? Calm down and play wherever we ask you to play because we're paying you X amount of money. But I just that's where I just don't get it. The human element in all of this is goofy to me because it feels like you if they haven't alienated Taylor, which Again, people can say all they want. All oh, you know, these guys are pros. They'll play with it, but they're they're adults who, if they get told something, I don't know about you guys, but like, yeah, I'm a professional. But if my boss tells me something and I accept a certain position based on that, and then you're sharing a cubicle with somebody else in an hour, yeah, and I'm like, hey, wait a minute, that's weird, yeah. you know. And it doesn't matter how much money I'm getting paid. I still expect people to like do the things they say they're gonna do. Because, I mean, they didn't sign. Of all people, like, it's not like with Donovan Smith, you can't even come up with an argument like, oh, maybe they'll play him at right tackle. That would be weird. That dude oh, played like, oh, you know, and, and the one person that said he would he would play left tackle was like, he's never played right tackle. Yeah. And, and I was like, oh, I was like, hey, man. Hey, other people saying it might be a vice versa situation. Because yeah. that's what initially happened. The day that it was that it came out that he was agreeing to the deal. This is on Lester's last Wednesday. It was like, hey, again, as there was confusion amok, I was like, guys, it appears based on the track record, it's going to be, you know, Donovan at left, Jawan at right, or vice versa. And I backed away from my phone. <laughs> Because that's that's what I could responsibly report in that moment. And then the next day on Thursday, I did further reporting. And again, someone with knowledge said that is not happening. So then my question to them would, is he okay being a backup? To which I was told, nah, he a starter. Okay. And and I was like, also, I'm sorry, Josh, I hear you hopping in, but like, and maybe you're about to say this, but then why did they draft a tackle, a right tackle? In the third round, because if the plan is to keep Taylor at right tackle. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is the, this is the rhetorical question that you guys have you've led, led us right back around to, which is, all right, cool. Smith at left, Taylor at right this year. And what? what? What is the Chiefs' ideal plan for 2024? You go, oh, we're a whole year ahead. We are a year ahead because you, you make NFL plans in the long term as well as in the short term. Yeah. So is the plan that next year Juwan Taylor would move to left tackle, that he really was going to move this year, but they ended up finding a left tackle on the open market that would let him stay at right, play this other guy on the left, and everybody's happy? And if that's the case, which I think there's a, there's a logic to that, right? That is not the worst case scenario. I wouldn't hate that, I suppose. But the next question is, okay, what if Donovan Smith gets hurt in week eight? Or what if he's terrible? What if he's bad in training camp? What if, what if it wasn't just oh, the I injuries? Have, what if he's I, worse? I, I have the answer. Love to hear it. Jawan will go to left tackle. That scares me. But, like, if you feel like Jawan can go to left tackle, why go through all of this? Why like, go through all of training camp and let's say Donovan Smith has a season-ending injury in week six? So now, now Juwan Taylor has spent the vast majority of the offseason and six weeks of the regular season playing right tackle, and now this like career-defining move he's going to make mid-season? That scares me a little bit. It's kind of funny um, that I started off all this with, like, you know, everyone needs to calm down. It's a big deal. And all I've done now is whine about it. I knew we'd get here. It's a weird move. It, it, it is. It is. Um, and I kind of like it. And it's, it's just weird. It's about depth. I, I, I really believe this. It is truly about depth. They never want to be in a position like they were, obviously, in Super Bowl 55. We don't need to rehash that. But that's the case. They want depth. A player who they feel like is starter quality, who on a bounce back year with obviously incentive to perform well so that he can reset his market value next spring, they just feel like, it's an incentivized deal in their sense where both parties can use one another for their own benefit. Um, and of course, you know, Donovan wants to win. Like he doesn't want to go from a Super Bowl contending team in Tampa Bay to like being on a team that's going to like retool or rebuild. Like he, he wants a chance to start for a contending team that is going to play on primetime television with the chance of going back to the Super Bowl. 
Um, it's it's a it's a questionable thing where this is the burden of having again the the world's greatest passer of the football. This is the burden, and so instead of looking at it that way, they're just going to try to use it to their advantage. And the best guy will play. Um, but based on track record, we like what you can do at right tackle. We've seen what you can do at right tackle. Please be the right tackle. And if 2024 rolls around and we're in a similar situation, then yeah, we'll give you the chance. Um, all right. I know we haven't gotten to this part of the podcast, but in terms of like, I mean, they're rookies. They're bad. They're so bad. <laughs> they are so bad. But like Wanye Morris, like it's, it's going to take some time. Like I don't, I don't, they have a roster and a structure in place where I really feel like they can go back to, traditionally developing rookie players, mm. um, which again is a luxury to have for a championship contending roster. So, you know, you would obviously take the guy with the experience who has the traits to go from right to left. And I just think that's going to be the case. You know, I think Lucas Niang is a full fledged right tackle. So if something happens to Juwan Taylor, they have death with Lucas Niang. Um, who will be incentivized to play his best because he's getting towards the latter part of his rookie contract. Um, Wanye is more about, in my opinion, 2024 than anything in 2023. Um, cause I think he has, I think he has skills to be a competent NFL starter, but there's no need to rush him. Um, when you can, again, hire a 29 year old who's, who wants to have a bounce back season and is contractually motivated to have a bounce back season, um, you know, with, 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 with your team in place to, to again, try to repeat as Super Bowl champions. Um, you know, another way of thinking about this, and I just want to put this out there, guys, do you know how much money that the chiefs spent on their tackles last season? I would, uh, I would guess it was probably pretty close to like $24, $25 million. Seth, would you like to take a guess? Um, I'm trying to remember what the tag was on Brown last year. I thought the tag was like 16, 17. Mm-hmm. So about mm-hmm. 20. Less than that. Mm-hmm. Is that is that your final answer? Yeah, 20. Yes. They spent uh this is Vias uh spot track again. They spent $19.1 million on their tackles. Hmm. So that's Orlando Brown and Andrew Wiley. Chiefs fans want the team to upgrade at those two positions after winning the Super Bowl. Now, God, now I sound like Stephen A. Um, (laughs) This year, you know, based on my estimation... If let's just give Donovan Smith his whole nine million, okay, and then we break out Jawan Taylor's contract, and of course because it's the first year, it's not that much. They may actually pay less for your desire to have them upgrade at the tackle positions, no matter how it shakes out, or if it shakes out in this particular fashion. So I just want to keep that in mind with people. Like Jawan Taylor's base salary this year is uh one million dollars. Mm-hmm. With a cap number of five point eight. So even if it's six million plus nine, still cheaper than last year, despite believing and working towards upgrading at those two positions. I told you guys we have plenty to say about Donovan Smith. I was telling you guys before the show, I think this is like a month-long conversation if we want to have it, and we are deep in the weeds. Um, And I think that's what we got on Donovan Smith for now. Uh, If you want to read more, uh, The Athletic, you can go read Nate's story about all the details and what we know about the deal and how that unfolded up on TheAthletic.com. You can read the film review from Seth up in the Chief in the North newsletter, uh, mnchiefsfan.substack.com. 
Let's talk about the rookies again for a little bit. Nate, you've been out there for, for rookie minicamp. Um, we, we talked about Rasheed Rice uh, last week, that, that stuff there in the newsletter as well. But um, anything uh, that you saw other than guys who were uh, presumably not ready for NFL practice speed today or, or these last three days, Nate? Yeah, um, I'm going to I'm going to go real quick, guys. Uh, Rasheed Rice star. Great. He was excellent. Love. They pushed they pushed him. He pushed through it um, really good in space. Like he looks like an NFL receiver compared to everybody else that was there. Um, Wanye Morris just smothering B.J. Thompson, who, by the way, acknowledges, yeah, I need to gain some weight now. <laughs> <laughs> BJ Thompson was like, no, nah, yeah, I'm going to gain some weight. But guess what, fellas? For the next three days, I'm going to work this spin move. <laughs> I, don't, I don't I don't care if it doesn't work. I'm working on it. I'm building pass rush moves. Now, the problem is, is that because they're not in pads, none of this matters. And um, you can't hit the quarterback. So, like, I think BJ has a nice get off. But, like, he not going hard. Um, Keandre Colburn. Great. He's got to be on the team. Moving on. Um, <laughs> big. Can you confirm big? Big. Cool. Big, lovable. Um, just Is he big, snuggly? Oh, hey, sorry. Uh, I mean, big, snuggly. <laughs> uh, Wearing 99. Just, just held his own. Like, Good. you know how great it is when you're like, yeah, man, I'm a six-round draft pick. I'm going to just hold my own. I don't even need to show y'all nothing. Um, moving on. Uh Looking forward to his film review, by the way. I'm yeah, he's he, he okay. The best Colburn rep, I believe, was either I gotta look at my notes again, which are not next to me, sadly. Uh, was either Saturday or Sunday. Uh, chase down quarterback. Now, obviously, you can't hit the quarterback, but he chased him down, so it was very like, um, you know, Colin Saunders versus you know, Jalen Hurts in the Super Bowl. Um, which is a wild comparison, but it's the easiest one that comes to my mind. Uh, do we want to talk about Chamari Connor? Yeah, did you see anything interesting? He needs to work on coverage. All right. Well, he's defensive back, so that's important. That seems uh, like an important part of uh, he, the role. I I don't know, he guys. Gonna have, he gonna I, have to get he gonna have to get coached up. I like, hope I feel all the way up. I hope I feel really stupid about this draft class. Although, really, if they just hit on the first three, no one's going to care about anything else. Which is true uh, about virtually every draft. But Yeah, yeah. But, like, you know, I'm not saying he's not a good player. I just think, again, going from the speed in college to the NFL, even at this rate, even in rookie minicamp, like, he's going to have to get his technique down a little bit more, trust himself. Um, you know, they were, they were moving him around a lot. So I guess the, in fairness to him, they had him play deep safety, box safety, nickel, oh, and play outside. I mean, okay. they just yeah. they threw everything at him. And As you are literally learning where to stand. You're yes. a rookie. Like, and the terminology like, and, like, and, 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 and trying to communicate with um, dudes that ain't going to be here next week. Yeah. And, well, and knowing where to park. Like, <laughs> does everyone remember the first day of college or their first day in a new mm-hmm. job? It's like, oh, man, I, I, what do you mean I need well, a key well, pass? Uh, well, 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 Seth, they don't ask you to go guard somebody <laughs> the first day either. <laughs> Hey, go put this helmet on, these gloves, and, and that let's would get to wild. work. That would, that would be, here's what we're going to do for our first day of law school. Right, we're going we're gonna to put you guys off into pairs, and I expect you to glove that person. going <laughs> to put them in a straight jacket. Can Which, I just... On go a, ahead. On a side Go note, ahead. Yes, yes. Can I just point out that Chris Jones and Patrick Mahomes are actively campaigning for Frank Clark to come back to Kansas City? While Bring we're them home! Bring them home! I'm sorry. In your court, Frank. Does what? Frank want to come on with us? Can, can, can I, should I reach out to Frank? Yes, <laughs> I'd love to have to him. Frank? Yeah, come home. let him know. Come, come home. Why am I saying this? Because it's hilarious. Um, come, come tell us what the, what you are demanding to return to the Chiefs. That's We will be your, we will be your, your easel to paint upon. Um... Yeah, I have I have thoughts. <laughs> well, we should move on. Um, but no, Mr. Connor, 
he gonna be amazing on special teams. Um, is oh, what yeah. they're is what they're telling me. Uh, and then we'll see how he progresses along. But look, he's gonna need coaching, and they may have to spend the entire offseason, preseason, training camp, whatever, figuring out like what are the two things he's good at. Let's try to use him at those two things. He did have some really nice blitzes where he timed it up really well, but maybe that's because you know it's rookie minicamp. I don't know, guys. Uh, Nick Jones had a hell of a pick. Didn't didn't do anything stupid. Uh, anything else? Did I miss anybody? Oh, uh, Felix. Did, did Felix, Felix wasn't didn't, practicing. Yeah. Felix didn't do a single thing. Didn't yeah. do a thing. Thumb so, surgery, but that was before the pre pre draft visit that the Chiefs had, according to Andy Reid today. So thumb surgery that did not catch the Chiefs by surprise or anything. No, no, no. Yeah. Um I'm sure you're asking me, Nate, who's the next Justin Ross? There isn't one. That's how good your team is. There are no, like, I get it. If you are on our beloved app or website, you can check around and say, hey, this 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 UFDA may have a chance of, like, getting on the roster. I don't know who the hell that person is this year, guys. Have you seen the Chiefs roster? It's loaded. And hey, frankly. Hey. If it's generic yeah. Prince, could that be? We haven't mentioned Isaiah Pacheco and all that, that that came out. That was wild. Yeah, that he was like playing with like a broken left side in the yeah, Super Bowl. That, so that, why that why in, would I why would I question Isaiah Pacheco now? No, great point. I just thought that I'm, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just here for the generic Prince hype train because I love a UDFA running back. But Isaiah Pacheco played in the Super Bowl with a broken hand and a torn labrum. Played most of the season with a torn labrum. Nobody knew. Really, I mean, nobody outside knew, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, right, right. Um, no, I mean, he, he seems fine. He has some nice he seemed, catches. He seemed fine. Oh, you mean Prince? I was like, Pacheco yeah, yeah. seemed fine with a broken hand and torn labor. I imagine he seems great right now. <laughs> no. Mr. You know how much of a worse mood I would be in if I had a broken hand and torn labor? I would, I would be a even grouchier. Makes uh, all that dancing at the Super Bowl parade even more impressive. Like, the dancing how? pregame of the Super Bowl. Yeah, Are like, you kidding me? How? Stop dancing. Like, dude, like, I'm like. <laughs> Someone has anyone considered calling his mom to like let her know and be like, Isaiah, you start taking care of yourself, buddy. Knock it off. Like, has anyone considered that threat? But certainly he hasn't. Yeah. Speaking of of Prince, though, one thing that's really interesting, the and I think a lot of people have uh, I think a lot of people have seen these charts back to back, like the the 40 yard dash and then like the 10 yard, 20 yard splits with Pacheco next to Prince. That's a really big deal when you've got a really good interior blocking offensive yes. line. Yes. Yes. Now 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 you're like, "Nate, did you see the speed?" Not really. Ran a lot of swing routes. You know, it's 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 rookie mini camp. I mean, it's it's fine. It's fine. They're fine, guys. They're fine. They're fine. They're fine. <laughs> what about Nick Jones? I saw a video clip of him yeah, knocking down a pass that was only underthrown by a couple yards. And yeah, that's so, what was, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he's fine. He, he didn't make any mistakes. He he didn't mess up. So I do need to ask, just to clarify, because you said this at first, because I'm I've got a bit of a theory about Rice that I'm actually going to keep in my pocket for right now. Okay. So, so you're saying Rice did stand out? Yes, he the only player that looked. Legit. What, what are you saying about FAU? Oh, he didn't practice. He, was he didn't practice. <laughs> and look, again, guys, you know how many reps I saw of Wanye saying, like, nice spin move? All of them, guys. I saw it all the time. Three straight days. Um, I guess that's a good thing. I should say this. That's a good thing for, like, I didn't see Wanye getting beat. Now, again, no pads. We just learned a playbook. Yada, yin, yada, yada. Bing, bong. <laughs> Here we go. Like <laughs> every time they show Gary Payton senior during these NBA playoff games, I said, stop calling him senior. Okay. <laughs> He's the glove. Can this episode be called bada boom, bada yin yang, bada, 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 bing like, bong. bong, bing bong. What's uh? Why is bada boom bada bam wa bam ringing in my head right now? What is that from? He was in a lot of Slipknot or something. I don't know, man. I'm I don't know what think- to tell you. You guys look, finish the podcast. I'm gonna be thinking for a bit. Look, look. Bada boom bada bam wa bam. 
the scouts have to review this tape, okay? And <laughs> guys, that's why they get paid, all right? Like that's that's why they get paid. Um, but no, I thought I thought Rashid Rice was good. I was like, hey, nice route. Ooh, strong hands. Ooh, working them in the middle. Ooh, uh, in the open field. Ooh, Adam Teicher says we will see that play on Sundays. You know, which Big I. Bong. Which I which I wish I could which I wish I could tell you what the play was, but the Chiefs will choke me out if I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh hey, I tracked it down. What? How? I was I was quoting, I just looked up bada boom bada bam ba bam. <laughs> and I remember it now. That was from uh, uh PD Pablo's verse in Goodies by Sierra from <sighs> approximately like what, two and a half decades ago. Decades ago. Man, <laughs> Josh, I should probably. Is Sierra still around? Is she still a thing? Is Petey Pop? Is she still around? Is is, is this yeah. not the what? one in the same Sierra? <laughs> what? I don't how know. Is, how is it spelled, Seth? <laughs> C. I, C. I don't know. All I know is that every girl that was friends with me named Sierra in like 2004 must have hated her life. Seth, not, not only is she still around, I know how many bathrooms her house has. Lord have mercy, uh, Josh. That out of context is not terrific. Oh, it yes, is she's, terrific. Married to, she's married to Russ Wilson. Thank you. That is such a better reason than the one that I was going to say. Yeah, that's exactly why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now tell me what Petey, what Petey doing out there in the streets? What Petey Pablo doing? Yeah, what? No, that's... <laughs> what no. wash what washed athlete is he married to? <laughs> so unfair. Yeah, Unnecessary. That's, that's, Whoa, Petey Pablo is 49 years old. What? What? Oh, this has not been a good day. I got a Facebook message with my 20-year reunion information next month. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> holy smokes. I didn't even say anything, man. Oh. No, and now Petey Pablo's 49? Hey, this is the first paragraph oh, on his Wikipedia page. Moses Barrett III. I won't give out all this information. Known by the stage name Petey Pablo is an American rapper from Grainvale, North Carolina. He is known for his 2003 crunk hit Freak a Leak. <laughs> That's the first paragraph <laughs> for his crunk <laughs> i forgot that crunk was a genre hey man nothing and we went from we went from grunge to crunk in a matter of like eight years wild times kids wild <laughs> music really has gone downhill since the early 2000s hasn't it do you ever think about the fact that pd pablo and russell wilson have the same number of mvp votes <laughs> <laughs> Oh, now that you know what, yeah. I mean, it's just that's just factually correct. I don't know. It's a, I don't know. It's so funny. Now I would now if I if I was writing his Wikipedia, I think "Raise Up" is a much better song than "Freak a Leak." But hey, that's just my opinion. I th I think his I think his guest spot here. Most rappers, at least around that time, had some of their best moments appearing in genres where you were like, really. Like, you know, it's just like kind of it was like a fabulous appearing in, in that in that uh oh song. I mean, all of these were better than a lot of their own stuff. Shout out to the producers, man. <laughs> you know who we need? Petey Pablo. Ain't never on the phone that I can't have. Bada boom, bada bam, bada bam. Come on. That's good stuff. And they were like, stop it, Petey. The track's <laughs> too hot. The fact that no one has just gone to the effort, and I'm not asking anyone to do this because it seems like a lot of work, but the fact that no one has gone to the effort of just making like a digital times are soundboard or something, just so you could just just for the the supercut of all of the vaguely inappropriate slash not suitable for character Seth Kaiser song lyrics like that alone feels like an MP3 file people would pay money for. And by people, I mean me. <laughs> no, that's one of the problems. I I've got a weird memory. Once I learn a song, it's like it, it's just stuck there, and that gets me in trouble occasionally. 
because I'll just be sitting there humming or whatever. And my wife's like, <laughs> you know, it's, she's, it's like, you know, what did you just say? It's like, oh, no, that was the first verse of Till I Collapse. Why? Is that not? Is that not OK? Is that not appropriate to get me psyched up for this brief that I'm writing? And so, no, I'm sorry. That was so funny, Nate. <laughs> it's too hot, Petey. <laughs> Imagining you sitting at the kitchen table, everyone quietly <sighs> chewing, and you're just to yourself. And, son, I wrote you, but you still ain't calling. I left my son page my home phone at the bottom. Dad, what are you? No, uh, scripture, son. Scri- yes. I'm, I'm, I am memorizing scripture. It's something in Habakkuk. And they're like, oh, okay, probably. Did we talk about the fact that there was a draft prospect named Habakkuk in this draft class? Did we talk about that on the show with you on it, Seth? That's Stop a real thing. Now, now you're making stuff up. I got to figure out if he got drafted or if he was UDFA. But the fact that you pulled <laughs> Habakkuk just there um, is hilarious because Habakkuk Baldonado, Baldonado excuse me, um, edge out of Pittsburgh. That's, I don't know if he got, I don't know where he's at. That's fantastic stuff. Um, just need a dude named Hosea who's married to a gal named Gomer and it'll be a whole deal. <laughs> don't, don't look that up people. By the way, that, that, that story goes pretty hard. You're not, let's, they you're not, not ready for that. They're don't let ready. that be, don't let, don't let that be your introduction to scripture. Okay. If that's, if you're not someone who reads. Josh Habakkuk was born, that. Habakkuk was born in Italy. And uh, he's with the Giants right now, but he was a second round pick in the CFL draft. I'm guessing that means he was UDFA. Yeah, undrafted, but uh, signed signed out after the draft with the Giants. So good luck, Habakkuk. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's go ahead and uh, Habakkuk this one right up. Uh, this has uh, been times ours, much to our own chagrin. I, at some point, this was a real show that stood for something. And then the last 10 minutes happened and... Um, Seth forgot who Sierra was, and I I just don't think we ever got it back after that. But if you want to read more uh, about uh, Nate's observances of Rasheed Rice and Rookie Minicamp, that'll be up on TheAthletic.com um, shortly. Oh, along with a story about the uh, the new Negro Leagues Museum that is uh, being has been announced and planned for downtown Kansas City. Um, Nate, if you want to talk about that on the way out here at all, feel free. Otherwise, people just go you can go read that and read the details on an incredible new project uh, that got announced uh, late last week. And then uh, you can, of course, check out the Chief of the North newsletter with absolutely no baseball guaranteed uh, at mnchiefsfan.substack.com. <laughs> Follow Seth on Twitter at RealMNChiefsFan. I'm at JB Briscoe. Nate is at by Nate Taylor, and he closes out the show. Um, yeah, donate to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum if you get a chance. I mean, are you listening, Seth? Because this is for you. I am. It's not, this isn't even for our audience. Sierra Princess Wilson, <laughs> born on October 25th, is an American singer. She rose to prominence with her debut album, Goodies, in 2004, which spawned the top five singles, One Two Step, uh, sure. Missy Elliott, Oh, oh featuring yeah. Ludacris, Goodies, featuring P.D. Pablo, <laughs> the latter of which topping the Billboard Hot 100 and the UK singles chart. The album was certified triple platinum by the Recording Industry Association of America and garnered two nominations at the 48th Annual Grammy Awards. Sierra was also featured on Missy Elliott's Lose Control, Bow Wow's Like You, both of which reached number three on the Billboard Hot 100. End of paragraph, no mention of Russell Wilson whatsoever. (laughs) 